Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. Summer is on its way and many Australians have already hit the beach. But the ocean is not our natural habitat. There are creatures in that beautiful blue that can sting and make us or our children very uncomfortable. Sarah Hunstead is a former emergency paediatrics nurse who is now the CEO of CPR Kids, an organisation that empowers parents with health and safety information. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Siobhan. So I am very passionate about the ocean. I spend a lot of time in it and have learnt the hard way that it's not our natural habitat. (laughs) Um, But I'm thinking what we do here is how about I list off all the ocean stingers that I know of and you can talk us through where you're likely to find them and what to do if someone gets stung. Okay, physical challenge. Let's do it. Physical challenge, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Now, this is one that I hadn't thought of before I started swimming regularly at my local ocean pool, and that is sea urchins. Mm -hmm. And at the pool, they can cling to the side walls or they're in the bottom of the pool. But I'm wondering where where else you might find them and um, the dangers that they present. Well, it's interesting. These little creatures are actually found everywhere all over the world in both warm and cold waters. Um, Particularly where you find them is exactly what you're talking about in those ocean pools, rock pools, um, reefs, and even they're like wandering around kelp and seagrass beds as well. So really, if you're in the ocean, you're likely to run into one. Okay. And we know from what they look like, they're spiky. Is it just that it's like stepping on a needle or is there some kind of poison in some of them? Lucky for us, most of the sea urchin injuries are in Australia from non-venomous ones. So that is a good thing. However, the main problem is is that the spines can actually cause a penetrating wound and they break off, which can be quite painful and really tricky to get out because, you know, it's not like a splinter. You know, when you get a splinter and you try and start to dig one of those out of your child, generally lift up a bit of skin, get the tweezers, you can pull it out, all good. The problem with the sea urchins is that they are very fragile and they can just keep um, fracturing. So they just keep breaking as you try and pull them out. So if they are nice and close to the surface, then by all means, you can remove them, give it a go, just like a splinter. However, if there are multiple uh, wounds with uh, lots of sea urchin spikes in there or if they're really deep, you're better off not giving your child anything to eat or drink heading off to either your GP or the local hospital because they might need a little bit of laughing gas um, to be able to tolerate having those dug out. And when I was working in the emergency department, we even had kids who would sometimes step on them and need to go to theatres because they had so many in there. So it can be wow. it can be pretty yuck. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to think of that next time I'm in the, I'm in the pool. Um, now, Sea anemones, uh, I, all I am thinking of here is finding Nemo and how, <laughs> how they swim in and out and just like get little stings. I don't think I've ever been stung by a sea anemone, but I did read that they can be painful. 
Yeah, they can. Um, with the sea anemones, they tend to hang around, you know, the rocks and reefs and in the little rock pools and tidal pools. And they do have poisonous stinging cells called nematocysts. But generally, they're not toxic enough to do anything to humans. That's why, you know, you can give them a little tickle and they just feel that, you know, sticky on your fingers. But there are some, there's always a but. There's, there's always, always a but. but. <laughs> there are some that can cause a really painful sting. And um, a lot of uh, scuba divers uh, certainly know the do not touches. And one of those I was reading about an anemone that's called the hellfire anemone. Oh, wow. And I know, I know. I got a little bit scared <laughs> when I was reading about it. But luckily enough, they live at big depths and your um, your children are not likely to come across those ones so that's a good thing all right now the next one is one we all have to deal with every summer and that is blue bottles yes now the blue bottles um i'm pretty sure i've told you in a past podcast about the story about me my children my husband getting stung by blue bottles and testing out the urine. So I'm not going to go into that again. <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> oh, well, okay, if you insist. <laughs> so I'll get to that in a minute. So first of all, they are found um, all along the East Coast. They're found from Tasmania. They're also found in Perth. The majority of them you're going to find southeast Queensland and New South Wales coast. They get blown in and really it's about knowing the first aid and the important thing here is that urine doesn't work it's a myth (laughs) good to know good to know good to know don't wee on your children if they've been stung by a blue bottle okay Okay. Yeah, it would distract them though, right? It would totally oh. distract me if someone weed on me. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That is not a note to my husband to ever do that, should I get stung by a blue bottle, just saying. Or anyone else for that matter. No, that's right. It is not an open invitation for strangers either. It no. It's just a flat out no. Okay. No. So, what are we going to do? First of all, you are going to. Stay calm and keep your child calm because they sting. They really, really hurt when you get stung by a blue bottle. Hmm. Secondly, you need to remove any remaining tentacles. So you can gently pick them off, um, being careful not to get stung yourself, of course, though. And then we are going to flush the area with copious amounts of seawater, not not fresh water, Mm -hmm. seawater. And once that's done, Uh, If you are at the beach and there is no hot water available, if there is an ice pack available, which a lot of lifeguards will have those instant ice packs, you can pop one of those on simply for pain relief until you can get to hot water because hot water is what is going to help the most. So make sure that it is not the person who's stung who's testing how hot the water is because of the pain that they're in, it's really, uh, they won't be able to judge how hot that is, they might burn themselves. So make sure that the rescuer um, gets hot water, as hot as they can stand, not enough to burn themselves, and you are going to immerse that uh, sting in hot water for about 20 minutes. You can take it out then for another 10 and then back in for another 20. And you can do that up for two hours. But there are some times where you do need to call an ambulance. And that is if the blue bottle sting is to a mouth, eyes, in the nose, any really sensitive areas such as the genitals too. Um, if the person's having an allergic reaction or if the pain is just so intense that they really need some decent pain relief. 
Um, would one of those areas include across their neck? I remember hearing of an ocean swimmer last summer who got um, got a blue bottle basically wrapped around her neck and it actually made it hard for her to breathe, not because it was tight, but if it sounded like somehow the poison had come into her lungs. Does that sound right? So what can happen is that definitely anything that is wrapped around, so whether it's the neck, the torso, around a limb, what can happen is that the um, the venom can actually cause swelling. And so that can impede the ability to breathe as well. So that's why it's really important that you are absolutely seeking urgent medical help if you do have what we call that circumferential or to a sensitive spot like the neck as well. Now, blue bottles were something I was very aware of and kept my eye out for. What I didn't know when I was swimming on the central coast last summer was about gym bulls. And uh, I got stung by a gym bull in November last year. And I still have the scar today. Now, I know not everybody has the same reaction, but I'm wondering, are gym bulls similar to blue bottles in how you would treat the sting? So, yes, so with the gimbals, basically they are found in coastal waters Australia-wide that they can cause is to set localised pain where they've stung you, So, and that can be from mild to severe. Often the tentacles will leave a mark on the skin and that can cause rash, redness, and it can even blister, and it sounds like that's what happened to you. To oh, massive blister. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I got lots of sympathy from my friends. I was lucky I wasn't with my family because my family wouldn't have given me an iota of sympathy. <laughs> yep, I understand. Mine are exactly the same. Try being married <laughs> to a nurse. You don't get sympathy for anything health-wise. <laughs> so the other thing we need to look out for is allergic reaction as well. Now, with the treatment, what I want you to do right now while you're listening to this podcast yes. or whatever you're, however you're listening to it is on your phone, download the Australian Bites and Stings app. And mm-hmm. in this app is everything that can bite and sting you in this fine country of ours and what to do about it. So, and it has everything in there from, and the reason I'm saying this is because if you are in tropical waters, your first aid is going to be a little bit different to if you are in non-tropical waters. So we're kind of, you know, dividing the line here between Queensland and New South Wales. Yeah, just up and down there. And this uh, app will tell you everything that you need to do depending on where you are. Oh, goodness, I'm totally doing that. Well, I had very uh, advanced friends. So these were all ocean swimmers. And a few of the women had this incredible gel that had a slight anesthetic in it. Ooh. Oh, it was the best. But then I had a hot shower and washed it off and it all hurt again. <laughs> yeah. no, absolutely. I encourage everyone that if you uh, either go in the ocean or live near the ocean, make sure that you do have um, something in your first aid kit that does assist with, zing, with stings uh, that has an anesthetic in it. So just go to your local pharmacy, Tell them that you're after something for your first aid kit for um, bites and stings that will help numb it and they will give you the right thing for you and your kids. Sounds great. Uh, So another common but not necessarily painful experience you can have in the ocean is with sea lice. Mm. Can you tell me about them and what we can do if we run or swim through a batch of them? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say something very controversial here. Yes. Okay, sea lice are not a specific creature. Sea oh. lice are not like 
sea lice. They're not just the one thing. <laughs> I think I understand. <laughs> so what they are, sea lice is just basically, it's a general term for anything that causes irritation or pain in the ocean um, that generally, uh, that we can't usually see them. So it might be teeny tiny little weeny jellyfish it could be fragments of jellyfish tentacles or apparently there are thousands of other ocean irritants uh, that can cause uh, that redness and irritation with sea lice particularly when they get under your bathers and they get cranky because your bathers are rubbing on them as well so it's generally uh, it could be a myriad of different things so really if uh, you do have that prickly irritating the sea lice feeling then it's stripping off preferably not at the beach if you're the grown-up but hosing <laughs> off your children washing well, it all off. yeah washing it all off basically and then you can use some of that magical cream from the pharmacy as well to help with any of that irritation and so with something that has an anesthetic in it is that would you apply that to something that itches more than stings Different medications are made from different things and that's why having a good chat to your pharmacist is a good idea. Yeah, okay. Um, and look, finally, one of the uh, rare stingers that I haven't actually touched wood encountered myself yet is the blue-ringed octopus, but we do all hear about that growing up, don't we? Uh, we certainly do. And I have seen quite a few of them in my uh, local pool, uh, tidal pool. They are, they're really beautiful little things. I actually saw a TikTok video the other day. Not that I'm into TikTok, but somebody <laughs> sent it to me because they knew that I'd be really into this. And it was of a tourist, so obviously pre-COVID, um, yes. who saw this beautiful little cute octopus and decided to pick it up and she's no. playing with it in her hands oh while God. it throws off these beautiful bright blue um, warning signs. Oh, it's my like, word. oh my put that down <laughs> she did didn't she it didn't uh, the video didn't end up with her collapsing did it uh no it didn't it didn't but what's really interesting about blue ringed octopus is that their bites actually have little to no pain so that video could have ended and then she collapsed for all we know no idea right. um but so that's something to be aware of uh, some of the signs and symptoms can include um, tingling around the mouth and generally just mild weakness of the body but then that progresses along to paralysis and then you stop breathing so oh. you really don't want to mess with these little things so that's why teaching the kids not to stick their hands into places that they shouldn't and touch stuff in rock pools and tidal pools, things like that, just, yeah, just educate them not to do it. And the first aid for a blue ring octopus bite is actually a pressure immobilisation bandage. Um, and that, uh, if you go to the Australian Bites and Stings app or even to the CPR Kids uh, YouTube channel, you'll see videos on how to apply that because that is a skill that you really do need to have because that's what we do for blue ring octopus, cone snail envenomation, and also uh, funnel webs and snakes too. So it's a really good skill to have. Oh, God bless Australia, huh? <laughs> Such a, it's, it's always, a, we're parents, we understand life is all about joy and pain. 
(laughs) The ocean gives us joy, but it can also give us pain. Sarah, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thank you for having me. That's Sarah Hunstead from CPR Kids, and we'll put links to the CPR Kids website in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.